Just kidding. Oh, good times. Well, Thrive Church, we're uh, on week three of what you might not have realized is a series called Thrive. Um, I, I didn't really introduce it that well over the last couple of weeks, but we're, we're having a conversation as a church family as to what Thrive is. If you're new with us this morning, Thrive Church is a brand new name for us. Just a few weeks ago, we had our launch Sunday, our first Sunday uh, with this new name, and we're excited about what God is doing here in this church and in our lives. Uh, our belief is this, that God made you to thrive. That he made you not just to survive, but he's created you to thrive. And we want to help and be a part of you going from surviving to thriving. And so, talked over the last couple of weeks about our vision and our mission. Shared about how uh, our, our vision statement, in fact, helping people thrive in Christ. That the most important part of that statement are those two last words, in Christ. It's all about Jesus. If, if we were just out about helping people thrive, well, we could just go down to Barnes and Noble and buy a self-help book that would attempt to help us thrive. But it's Jesus that makes all the difference. And then last week, talking about our, our mission statement, that we, we exist to help people thrive by knowing God, growing as disciples, serving like Jesus, and going into all the world. That there's a process by which we are changed, and that it's really encapsulated in one word, gospel. That is the gospel, that Jesus came so that we wouldn't be the same, that our lives would be transformed, not just now, but for eternity. Well, this morning, I want to shift gears a little bit because we've talked about our vision, we've talked about our mission, but we're going to move into a different phase right now. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about our core values as a church. And you might be thinking, well, I didn't know we have core values. We do now. We do now. And core values are so important to any kind of congregation. In fact, just, just a few weeks ago, we ended the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. And the final message in that series was going the next step to establish a rule of life. Going the next step to establish a rule of life. And we learned about how in order to, to thrive in our emotional health and our spiritual health, we need a plan, right? Any, any planners in the room? Anyone, you're like, I gotta, I gotta know where I'm gonna be ten steps ahead. Who are, you, who, who of us are like the, who would own it, like the fly by the seat of your pants in the moment, right? You didn't know where I was going with that. Like, hey, whatever, just kind of, I just take it as it comes, right? Yeah, you people drive the other group completely insane, completely crazy. Um, I'm, I tend to be, and as I get older, I'm shifting more to the planning side. But I've spent a majority of my life being kind of like, hey, let's just kind of see what happens. My wife is a planner, and we had to go for counseling. No, we haven't. Um, but we've had some interesting conversations. And, and um, in fact, so often, Megan's question to me will be, what's the plan? She'll just say it like that. What's the plan? And I'll go, well, we'll just, you know. And she's like, no, it's not a plan. I need, I need a plan. The reality is planners actually do better. I heard a statistic this last week that people who write down vision and, and the, the, the dreams that God gives them actually write those things down and distill them into to key ideas and things, and targets that they can aim for. 
um, that, that, that 3% of our population here in the States actually achieves and attains a place where they've written things down and then actually do it. The vast majority of people in our nation, we don't write things down and we don't have a plan. And the reality is if we did, we'd see so much more progress. So the rule of life becomes this framework in which we can set up our lives and live our lives according to God's word so we don't just kind of take things as they come, but that we, we really plan out how we're going to respond, how we're going to live, the decisions that we're going to make, or, or even creating kind of a matrix through which we filter our decisions. Is this a good decision? Is this a godly decision? Well, the same is true for our church that we need a rule of life for our church. We need a rule of life for our church. We need a framework by which we can live our lives out and, and be able to tell, are we doing well or not? See, our vision talks about where we're going. What does God want to do? Our mission is, is, is how are we going to do it? What are the elements that are going to move us towards the mission? But our values speak to how we do church as a family. What are our agreements and what are the things that we're going to include as a part of our unique expression of the body of Christ when people say, oh yeah, Thrive Church, well, that church is this, that church is like that. We'll talk, I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm being vague right now because I want to reveal the, the values here in just a few minutes, but we're going to talk over these next few weeks about these values. There's eight of them that we've identified and I brought these to our staff and to our leadership team. We, we prayed over these. We've, uh, you know, I've taken time to seek the Lord and to say, okay, Lord, what do the values look like? Important note here, values can't just be things that we talk about. If you don't do it, you don't value it, right? right? If you don't do it, you don't value it. And so, so these are a challenge for me first and then for the rest of our congregation that we actually do these things. And so we want to take time to really unpack them. So let me share with you uh, what our core values are, what our guiding principles are for our congregation as we do life together. The first is this, God first. God first. God first. I don't think any of us would argue with that. Borrowed it from APU. You know, God first is a, good, is a good starting place. It's the only starting place. I'm going to actually take time this morning to, to talk about our first two because the next is this, people matter. God first and people matter. And we'll take some extended time this morning to talk about both of those. Third is this, love does. Love does. Fourth one is this, grace extended. By the way, they're not full sentences, and for those of you who are like, oh, it needs to be complete, right? What we're trying to do is capture, capture a thought, right? So stop twitching, it's going to be okay. Want these to be little memorable statements. Grace extended. Next one is this, live in community. Live in community. Next is minister in team. We live in community and we minister in team. Seventh one is this, bring your best. Bring your best. God's, God's worthy of the very best we have to offer. The best what? The best everything. The best everything. That'll be a fun Sunday. And then the final one is this, commit to growth. 
commit to growth. And that is, that is every aspect in every life of our church, that we would be a church that's committed to growth personally, corporately, that we're always looking, how can we improve? How can we do better? How can we reach our city better? How can we grow internally, grow in our families, grow in our marriages? But it's a personal commitment. You know that I can't commit to grow for you. It's a personal commitment, amen? All right. See, I just want to preach on all of them right now, but I just said I'm not going to do a three-hour sermon. So today, that's our, those are our core values. And I'm excited about what this will mean for us as a church in helping to chart our course. Now, you might wonder, well, you know, what does that speak to the community? Our community and people might come in and, and read those, and they might not understand them at first, but these are statements that are applicable to our church family. These are the guiding principles and the, rules, the rule of life for us here as a church family. So this morning, the first two, God first and people matter. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. God first and people matter. The Bible talks a lot about putting God first. Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament passages referenced in the New Testament, uh, just all throughout. The idea of this behind Christianity and, and serving the Lord is this. He has to come first in everything. He has to be the first in our lives. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Jesus is having a conversation in the midst, in midst of a crowd, and a man comes up to him, a lawyer comes up to him and, and asks him a question. He says, teacher, which is the great commandment, uh, the, the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God and love people. In fact, I know churches, that's their mission statement or their vision statement. Love God, love people. And it's a good one. It should be for every church. It should be required. Love God and love people. God first and people matter. Jesus makes a statement. You can see I bolded it there. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What does Jesus mean? He means this. If we get these two right, if we get putting God first and loving him and making him the most important thing in our lives, the most important person, the most important relationship in our lives, and we love people like our neighbor as we love them as ourselves, we actually don't need the rest of the law. It becomes a moot point. The reason we need it, and they need it in the Old Testament, the rest of the law, the reason we have to keep going back to the word of God and saying, okay, Lord, help me with this attitude. Lord, help me understand love more. Help me to walk more in line with you is because we don't do these two things well. We drop the ball there, and then it it overflows into the rest of our lives. Jesus is saying, if you do these two, if you love God and love people, agape love, complete love, then you get the rest of it right. 
And that's huge for us. It's huge for us as a church. It's huge for us as people who call ourselves Christians. It's huge for us who who would want to make a difference in the world around us. Love God. Love people. See, you can't separate them. And what happens, and I've heard people actually say this. You know, I love God. I really love God. I just don't like people. I just, you know, people just drive me crazy, and I would just, if it could just be me and God on an island somewhere, I'd be good, right? And in so doing, you miss the heart of God completely. Because you can't say, I love God, out one side of your mouth and say, yeah, but these people just kind of drive me crazy, and I don't really like them a whole lot. Or there's some of them I just don't like. Or I just don't like people, period. They're completely joined. They have to be inseparable in our hearts and in our minds. And as a church, as Thrive Church, we can't separate these two. We have to make sure that we always keep them together. So I want to talk a little bit about God first. This is a statement that accompanies this core value. And we'll start seeing these around the church. You'll see them different places on our website as we communicate these, both internally and as people come and go, well, what's this church about? These are things that we can share and say, this is what we're about. Now, here's the danger, is when we do that, they're going to inspect that. You say you put God first, but when I look around, right, there has to be a consistency. So there is a bit of a risk here for us to take this step. God first, we are a spirit-empowered, biblical-founded people who put God at the center of every aspect of life and church. If God is not glorify it, we don't do it. Can I get an amen? We're spirit-empowered, we stand on the word of God, and we put God in the middle of everything we do. Now listen, I'm not just talking about our corporate structure and our organizational model. This really needs to translate into our personal lives. I'm going to just answer it for you. How should you live your life? Like that. If God's not honored and glorified, don't do it. This is the easiest way to lead a church. To sit down in a staff meeting, you can ask our, our leadership team and our pastors, every time we sit down in a meeting, we, we start with prayer, and the prayer always goes like this, Lord, we don't want to do anything today, or have a conversation today, or make a decision today that's outside of what you want for us as a church. Spirit, lead us. Keep us in step with you. If you're not glorified, we don't want to do it. See, it's easy to go alone. It's easy to get into a mode of life where we're just on autopilot. And I'll tell you, even as a pastor leading a church, there are so many books and so many websites and so many blogs and so many posts and so many tweets and so many, so many, so many things and conferences and so many voices. And I could be listening to all of those voices. And there's some great voices out there. But at the end of the day, if I'm not listening to the voice of God in leading this congregation, I'm going to lead you wrong. I'm going to lead you astray. But it's easy to get into autopilot in your life. It's easy to get into an autopilot kind of mode. 
Well, I've dealt with, I've dealt with this before. I know how to handle this situation. Oh, I've, I've, this, this is familiar. Or, or how about this? This is easy. I won't bother God with this. Right? And we get into autopilot. And we stop coming to a place where we say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? God, how do you want to move in my life? God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me? And what are you trying to communicate to me? Where he stops being first, becomes second or third, and just starts tumbling down the order of priority, the list of priority in our lives. And, and, and really, the truth statement about this value is it's all about worship. You'll notice that there isn't one value that I put up there that said, oh, and we're a church that, that loves to worship God, or we're, you know, I, I don't have a little snippet saying for that, but, and the reason for that is it, it, it happens here. Putting God first is worship, which means if I'm not putting God first in every aspect of my life, but I think it's okay to come and sing a song, it's incongruent. It doesn't work that way. This is about a living, a lifestyle of worship. And I want our church to be known as a church that worships God in everything that we do. Is God honored and glorified in my life? Is he honored and glorified in this church? In everything, in everything, in our worship, in our teaching, in our decision making, in our relationships, is God first? You know, as I wrote that down, I thought, you know, Lord, but that just kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? It should. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of places and a lot of people who say, oh, Lord, I know you, I worship you, but their hearts aren't in that same place. In fact, Jesus calls out some people, and he makes that statement, in that day, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. Why? Because you didn't put God first. This is so critical for us, church. We have to get it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everyone say all. My concern this morning is you're way too comfortable and you're going to take a nap. We had to put extra caffeinated coffee out there today. We good? Chair's doing all right? All right, good. Jesus confronting and addressing people who were struggling with the issue of fear. Anyone ever deal with fear? Oh, wow. Does anyone ever deal with fear? Anyone? Just, just put your hand up. Everyone just put your hand up. All right, good. All right, thank you. That's the answer we're looking for. At some point, every one of us is going to battle fear. Jesus, in addressing even the fear about what am I going to eat and what am I going to wear and how am I going to pay that next bill, Jesus says, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things will be added to you. See, when we put God first, Everything else falls into place. Does it mean it's easy, Pastor? Nope. Doesn't it mean it just, it's not like dominoes, right? You ever do like the domino rally thing and you set up all those dominoes and you get halfway done and you bump and you're frustrated? 
It's not like domino rally where you're like, just, oh, if I just do this, and the rest of it just kind of automatically happens. No, there's, there's work involved. But it's the testing of our faith and persevering. Even like Jim was talking about in Malachi, God says, test me in this with your finances. And watch how I will move in your life and things will come and blessing will come in unexpected ways. But it starts with this, putting God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not the kingdom of Barry and his good ideas. Because that's just not a happy place. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We went to a pastor's conference for our Southwest Foursquare District this last week, and it was, it was really neat. Some of you might have seen this online, but something that I've never experienced at a conference. Our conference, the, the, the whole, day of, uh, whole of Tuesday, uh, we had a conference at Disneyland. Oh, it was rough. But here's, here's what they did. They actually set up, there were 10 different lecture stations. And throughout the day, we had these little headsets that, that we put in, and we had a schedule, and, and we went from station to station, and they, they, they shared these different uh, lectures uh, about all different, kind, different things in life and ministry, um, and then tied it into the element that we were next to. So, you know, at the Haunted Mansion, they did one on overcoming fear. Um, you know, the, the uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was, was uh, overcoming or persevering through obstacles, and they talked about dynamite and how dynamite changed the way that we, we did construction and all of these, these different um, little lectures, and they were all incredible. But the last one that we got to go to was right in the middle of the Disneyland Castle, and it was entitled, Am I Building My Castle or His Kingdom? My castle or His kingdom? We can get so busy trying to build our little castle that we lose sight of the kingdom of God. And then we don't get either. But when we put His kingdom first, when we put His kingdom and His righteousness at the forefront of our lives, Jesus promised to you, and to me is this, all of these things will be added. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 6, here God is speaking to the Israelites as they've come out of Egypt, and their identity is really warped. They really have no identity as a people. They've been slaves for 400 years. They've been oppressed. They've not had any autonomy. They've not been able to make decisions for themselves. They've not been able to worship the way that, they want, they, that, that God wants them to worship. And so they come out of Egypt, and God starts shaping their identity and conforming them to his desire for their lives. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, and it will, 1 through 6, it sounds, this will be familiar because it's the Ten Commandments, but God spoke these words to Israel. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth below, uh, beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
Now, I doubt very much that any of us struggle with idolatry, that we have any engraven and carved images in our homes. But where our hearts get hung up and where our hearts struggle is putting other things in the place of God in our lives. Looking to other things to be our source and to be our security. And you know that that can actually affect a church. That as a church, we can start trusting in things like tithe and attendance and notoriety. How well known are you in the community? That's the thing. How many people visited the website or watched the, 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 the video or the, listened to the blog or the, 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 the podcast? And those things can start becoming gods in our lives. They can become idols. God says, no, 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 no. Me first. Me first. Don't put anything, anything, anything in the place of me. And you know, the Lord has to go to great lengths to communicate this because he knew and he knows that we have a hard time. That we have a hard time with this. Let's just be honest. This is not one that we're like, oh no, I'm total victory in that part of my life. That every day, every one of us, just in the same way, every one of us could raise our hands and say, yeah, at some point in my life I've dealt with fear, I am dealing with fear, and I will probably deal with fear at some point. That every one of us struggles and has to fight to make sure that God is in the primary place in our lives. But it's a fight worth fighting for you and for our church. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, God re- reiterates this idea to the Israelites. He says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, just with everything, just with everything. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, the very center of who you are, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That in every part of life, no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you're talking to, it doesn't matter if you're lying down or standing up or working or resting, whether it's the Sabbath or or a work day, it doesn't matter that I am the Lord your God and you need to love me with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might, that he is worthy of being put first in our lives. And can I just be be honest with you? It is the best decision you could ever make is to put him first, daily to put him first. So practically speaking, what does that look like for us as a church? Well, I've already spoken about that. It starts with praising him and worshiping him, but translates into things like how do we make decisions how do we decide on what we're going to do, what direction we're going to take, what steps we're going to, are our next steps? How are we going to determine what ministries to start or end? What things need to be added or taken away? What changes need to be made? We could stand back and go, well, you know, the culture says, that book that I read just, just read says, the popular thing is, 
But I would rather bring those things to the Lord and say, God, what are you speaking? For us to be the best church that we can possibly be, it starts with us simply saying, God, we put you first. You direct every one of our decisions. It's reflected in our priorities. Priorities. It's reflected in everything. I know it's broad, but man, he's a big God. So God first and people matter. God first and then people matter. Here's the statement that uh, we have that goes along with people matter. People matter. They matter to God and, they, and, and to us. Church and ministry are all about loving people, caring for people, knowing people, and helping people thrive. Young or old, rich or poor, male or female, every race, tribe, and tongue are welcome. Are welcome. Amen? Here's a key thought, and I don't want you to miss this. How well we do this second value depends on how seriously we take the first. How well we do this depends on how seriously we take the first. Because if I'm not serious about putting God first in my life, you're going to be on the receiving end of that. And it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. That the most loving thing that we can do for people is to put God first in our lives. The most loving thing I can do for you, I had a conversation with someone this week who was asking me about marriage. You know, pastor, I just need some input for, for my marriage. I, I just need to know how to, how to be a better husband for my wife and just meet her needs. And I said, the biggest thing you need to do, because can I just tell you, trying to determine what someone else's needs are and then try and meet those needs, it's the biggest moving target, right? Because we're constantly changing. And most of the time, I don't know what I need. So I can't even tell you what I need because I don't even know myself. And so as a, as a husband or as a wife or as a friend, as a family member, the best thing I could do for you is to put God first in my life, to become the person that he's called me to be, to put him and make him the priority because when God's first in my life, I will love you well. See, loving people flows out of a love for God. Because without him as, as the source, we have nothing to give. Cheap imitation, not the heart of God. Here's what, here's what John writes in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I just got to ask, how many when I just read that reference, the song started going through your head? Right? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Did you catch the heaviness in that? If you don't love, you don't know God. There's no way getting around that. There just isn't. People who love God love people. People who don't love God Anything goes when it comes to people. And there's no wiggle room. Here's the thing. It's, oh, uh, you know what? I can, I can love you. I just don't have to like you. That's not in the Bible. What if Jesus said that to you? 
hey, I love you. I died for you. I just don't like you a whole lot. I'm finding another religion. It's the love of God that compels us and transforms us and is everything to us. This statement, this verse, is the line in the sand for us. It's the definitive statement about how God expects us to reflect his love for his people, which is everybody, not just the ones who know him. That every person alive on the face of this planet is his creation. He knows their name. He has a plan for them. And we are called simply to love them, to love each other. If you love, you know God. If you don't love, you have to take a look at how you're doing and putting God first in your life. I want to share a quick story with you. I grew up in, in the nation of South Africa. I was born and raised there, and I spent the first 18 years of my life in South Africa, which the biggest thing that South Africa is really known for was apartheid. I grew up in a nation where racial segregation was the law. I grew up in a neighborhood where everyone looked like me. I lived in a, a nation where black people couldn't ride the bus into the city unless they had a special pass. Imagine needing a passport to go to work. That's what it was. Every person had it. It was called a passbook. And you couldn't get on the bus and go into the city if you didn't have the passbook. And so there was this incredible, horrific, evil control over people's lives, perpetuated by one race against another. When you grow up in a culture like that, you don't see it as readily because it's just the norm. It's just what you know, especially as a kid. Except for this, I went to a Catholic school and my parents loved Jesus and we went to church. And I remember as I got older that the only two places in my life where I had interaction on a, on a regular basis with, with black people, with African people, was at school and church. See, because the public schools were segregated. And so there were white schools and, that there were, and there were black schools. But in the private schools, they, they were allowed to desegregate. You were allowed to have... Now, there weren't a lot of black people in my school because it was expensive. And because of apartheid and the oppression that came with apartheid, most black people didn't have the money. But I remember a kid named Kapanu Makabo. He was in my fourth and fifth grade class. His mom worked um, a lot and saved every penny she had for him to be there. And I remember as a kid starting to realize something's wrong. There's this something wrong because he's a cool kid. I invited him to one of my birthday parties. And I remember standing in my living room as Capano came in and the rest of the, my friends who didn't go to school with me I could see on their faces this question of, why is he here? And I can tell you the only reason that race and the color of someone's skin and the language that they spoke started mattering less to me was because of Jesus Christ. 
Because at school and at church, I got to encounter people that the culture and the world said, oh no, we've got to keep them separate. Apartheid was really the, the ultimate expression of what so many people deal with on a daily basis in their own hearts and minds. See, because when I read about what's happening in our nation right now, it breaks my heart. Because what it evidences is the fact that we think it's okay to say, I love God, but I don't love people. That I love God, but I'm afraid of people that aren't like me. Or his culture isn't like me. There's no permission for that in the word of God and in his church. There is no black church or white church or Korean church or whatever. There's only the church. And when Jesus looks at his bride, he just sees the church. People matter. And church, we, we need to live this. We need to own this. Not just talk about it or post about it on Facebook. Please. Because these are conversations and these are realities that we're going to face and our children are going to face in increasing measure. Why? Because Satan wants to steal and kill and destroy. But the life that Jesus brings, brings reconciliation and wholeness. I got to watch growing up, Sunday mornings, I got to stand next to a person of a different race and worship Jesus together. The rest of the week, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. Do people matter to you? I mean, do you really care about people? Do you care about what's going on in, your, in their lives? And I'm not just talking about the people you like or even the people you know. Or, and then there's the people you have to get along with. Right? There are the people you're like, oh, I don't really have a choice because we're related, related. Or they're my neighbors. Do people matter? The ones you, know, you don't know or you just met. The ones who are different, who have a different style of dress or a culture or a language. As I'm getting older and my kids are now teenagers and moving into their young adult years and I, I, I catch myself sounding like my dad. Ugh. Oh, there's kids, you know, they're just... Oh my goodness. I've been a youth pastor long enough that I, I, I have enough of, of appreciation of, of the youth culture. Yeah, I don't get it and that's okay. But wow, our youth are alive and there are things that they're doing and ideas that they're coming up with and things that, like, it just blows my mind. And if I stop criticizing long enough and I ask enough questions to say, help me understand, my eyes can be open. Do you care about people who don't agree with you? Do you care about people who've wronged you or hurt you? Do you care about the people who don't like you? There's no rule that says they have to like you, and that doesn't give you permission to not love them. See, because in our culture, and increasingly so, what we see is the differences, not the things that bind us together. Black, white, Republican, Democrat, 
right? Rich, poor, Californian or not. And we start identifying more by the differences than we do by the things that we have in common. And it brings division. It brings fear. It brings competition. And it brings tension. And can I tell you this morning, my heart, and I believe the heart of God for our church, is that this would be a place where we are countercultural, not in line with the culture that we model something different in the same way that I got to go to church on Sundays in apartheid South Africa and stand next, to, stand next to a brother or sister of a different race and worship Jesus together, that we would be that kind of church, that we would be known for who we're for, not who we're against. In a room with this many people, I guarantee you there are differences of opinion. There are differences of opinion. One of the reasons I'll never stand up here and endorse politics is I know that in this room that there are differences of opinion and you're absolutely entitled to that opinion as long as God's first. But I can't stand here and tell you how to think and how to vote. Our job here in Thrive Church is to say, live for Jesus. Be in line with his word. This is a place where division, fear, competition, and tension have no place. They're not welcome here. Why? Because people matter. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to the Lord. And we should matter to each other. Galatians chapter 3, 27 and 28 says this. For as many of you have been baptized into to Christ, uh, as, start over, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no, uh, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. That's Jesus' heart for his church, that we would be one in Christ. Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 14, Paul goes on to say, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom and as, as an opportunity to, uh, for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul wraps up that thought. If you want to get this right, love God and love people. That's it. Tempted to just drop my Bible right now, but I won't do that. <laughs> love God and love people. That's it. So, so practically speaking, what does that look like? It must. I, I, I was typing my notes and I was like, it should. Delete. It must. It must affect our awareness. It must. Now, we're aware of people. See, because... The loophole is not, if I just don't make eye contact, I'm good to go. I don't have to care about you if I don't see you. God says, I'm bringing people into your life every day for you to love on them. And so we don't ignore or exclude. We're aware. And if you're not aware of people, become aware of people. If someone's wearing a name badge at Albertsons when you're checking out, use their name. Do little things to become more aware of the people in your life. 
It must affect our speech. How we talk to and about people. A great test is this, is what I'm saying right now, would I say it to their face? How I talk to people and how I talk about people. Do I honor the Lord in how I speak? And are people blessed? In our actions, it has to affect our actions. And there's so many that can go in here, but, but, but how about this? On a Sunday morning... Are you ready to welcome people? Not the greeting team or the ushers or the hospitality team or the pastors. Are you ready to welcome people into the house of the Lord? Are you aware and do you care that they're here? Your actions speak volumes. I mean, every church on the planet wants to be a friendly church. We just want to be friendly. glad you're here today. <laughs> Friendly doesn't happen by accident. It happens when you become aware of people and you welcome them. Are you engaging? Are you ready to engage people? Are you engaging, ready to engage them in their lives, their families, and just say, how are you? Are you ready to invite someone to lunch with you? And again, this is so much bigger than just a Sunday, but this needs to be just so ingrained in our church. Hospitality, it must affect our hospitality. We've prepared a place for you. The Bible says that, in fact, Jesus said that he has gone to heaven to do what? To prepare a place for you. Jesus gets hospitality. He's the author of hospitality. That it must affect the way that we Prepare a place and welcome people into our midst. It must affect our compassion and our care. Always asking, how can I be a blessing in someone's life? How can I go the extra mile? How can I go over and be and above to serve you, to be a blessing to you? God first and people matter. This is our starting point. This is, this is what sets the course for us in how we do Thrive Church. And it sets a really high bar, doesn't it? But every one of us, every one of us can reach it. We can attain to those things. My hope and my prayer as, a, as your pastor is that you are equipped, according to Ephesians 4, for the work of the ministry. As the Lord moves in your heart, as you get closer to him and put him first, and as your awareness and your love for people increases, oh, that there would just be this impact, this tidal wave that would go out from this place and transform our, wor our world, our community. Amen? Let's stand together as the worship team comes. you pray with me? Lord God, this morning we, we put you first. 
over this body of believers, over this church, over everything we do, Lord. I stand here as the, as the pastor of this flock, of this congregation, and Lord, declare before you, in the presence of all of these people, Lord, that we choose to put you in the preeminent place in this church and in our lives. That it is all about you. Lord, that from the the oldest to the youngest, those who are brand new and those who have been here for, for years, Lord, those who are just starting out in their journey with Jesus and those who are leaders, God, that for every one of us, we would put you first. And Lord, out of that would flow a love for people that we can't even imagine. People matter to you, God. Help us to live that out, to make that a reality in this place. And at the end of the day, Lord, we want you to be glorified, your name to be lifted high. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.